0: You are listening to weekly messages from Austin Christian Fellowship. For more information about ACF, visit acfellowship.org. Well, good morning, everybody. You guys well? I'll take that. Can we thank um, our worship team and Christian for everything preceding? Man, uh, so good. If I don't have the pleasure yet, of knowing you. My name is Will Davis Jr. and my wife Susie and I have been the leaders of Austin Christian Fellowship since June 1st of 93, which is crazy. Um, You guys online, we greet you. Thanks for joining us as well. We're glad to have you. Um, So um, we hope you enjoy what's coming. We're in the middle of a series. Actually, this is the last week of a series called Set Apart. And uh, to get you ready for that, if you need a Bible, will you raise your hand? Because we give Bibles away every single week. And I want you to find Genesis chapter 2. So feel free, take these. And um, you know, take your time to find this passage of scripture. It's really important that you see it. And I've, I've stopped um, putting scriptures on the screen. We have a debate about this, if this is being effective or, just like I'm, or if you feel like you're being punished. So I'm putting the reference on the screen but not the verse because I want you to look it up. So go ahead and find Genesis chapter two and whatever you have available to you because you're gonna see it. So next week, Memorial Day weekend, we're going to have a really great service. We're going to take communion together and then baptize, and I can't wait. And so those two should go together. And so come next weekend ready to take communion, and if you need to be baptized, which means you need to identify with the church globally as a follower of Christ, people always tell me, well, I need to get my stuff together before I'm going to get baptized. I'm like, no, you don't. That's why you get baptized, because your stuff's not together. And so, uh, you can see the QR code, I think, behind me, uh, or you can check this, the link out there for baptism. Please sign up. We'll also do it spontaneously next week, and it's gonna be a great service. And then I wanna tell you what's going on in June and July. I'm gonna, because of uh, 30 years at ACF, June 1st for me and Susie, we're gonna take the summer off and inhale, see grandchildren, and plan the next 30 years, bless your hearts. And so I'll see you in the fall. Um, but the teaching team is going to do an amazing job in June, July, and August. And we start a series the first week in June called Signs and Wonders. That you're not going to want to miss um, as we talk about the miracles of Jesus. And each teacher has been given the assignment of teaching about a miracle of Jesus, but also telling you a contemporary miracle of Jesus. Because they just didn't happen 2,000 years ago. They happen now. And many of you are, many of you are living proof of that. And so it's going to be a great June and July series, and we do a series in the church in August. So it's going to be a great summer. hope you'll stick around and be part of that. Um, this last few weeks, we've been talking about being set apart, and I've been speaking to the next generation. Um, 10 and 11-year-olds to 25-year-olds. 20, and trying to, if like knowing I was approaching you know, 30 years at ACF and if I were to go away tomorrow, if I, God were to take me home tomorrow, or take me out of ACF tomorrow, what do I, what do I want to say to an, the next generation of leaders, the kids in our church? And so that's what this series has been and if you're new to ACF, it's, I've taught in such a way as to speak, I'm speaking to those younger people, I'll do it today. But I'm also doing this where if you want to watch these videos later with a young person or a small group of young people, this is great to do it. You can stop and talk about the things we're talking about. Today's topic is marriage. What I want to say the next generation about marriage. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for this amazing leadership and worship and Christian sharing with us about generosity a minute ago. And I pray, Lord, you know, as, as excited as I am, I can get in my own way in times like this. So I pray you'd humble me and activate my skills and gifts. And may what I say today live long past these few moments as this message is, is reused um, appropriately moving forward. Help us to be about what your word says this amazing institution is and honoring it, please. We approach this topic humbly today as we approach the institution of marriage humbly. Uh, The marriage vows say reverently, discreetly, and in the fear of God. We do that today. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, how many of you are currently married? Can I see your hands? Okay, so if you're with your spouse, get your elbow ready and watch this. You know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. I don't know what it is, and I'm not sleeping very well at all, and all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on! Ow. If you would just... Don't! don't. Try to see things my way. Isn't that wonderful? A little relevant? You always want to fix things. Well, you have a nail on your head. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's painfully close to home, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, Genesis 2. Um, The verse I want to read is Genesis 2, verse 24. Written by Moses 3... Not quite three and a half millennia ago, maybe thirty one hundred years ago, thirty two hundred years ago. It is the fifty fifth verse of the Bible, Genesis two twenty four, and it's the first verse that is a teaching or didactic verse. The first fifty four verses of the Bible are narrative. They're telling a story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and and. The first 54 verses of the Bible, we have the explanation of creation, then the backup, and the explanation of the specificities of Adam and then Eve. And then verse 55, Moses takes a completely different angle and goes to 55,000 feet or 50,000 years and gives us the first of hundreds of eternal truths in the Bible. Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's not narrative. That's a teaching statement. Well, this is the first of all the teaching statements in the Bible, and it's about marriage. I think it's interesting that of all the topics that give us eternal truths in scripture, the first one is about this human institution that, was a cre- that is the creation of God, not the creation of men and given for the context of of procreation, which young people, as I speak to you, I'm gonna give you some vocabulary today. There will be a test later, so pay attention. So the 55th verse of the Bible, the first teaching statement, verse 24 says of Genesis 2, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh one in flesh you've heard that i'm sure if you've ever been to a wedding you've probably heard this language at some point the picture of leaving and cleaving and the 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 creation of a new institution a new family unit and then the next verse is back to narrative the storytelling, the husband, the man and his wife are both naked and not ashamed. That's, a, that's another great verse, but it's a narrative again. So here's this first lofty principle of scripture that's not meant to be negotiated with. It's not meant to be, yeah, but yeah, but, it's just the way, it's just, here's, when God lays out truth, friends, he doesn't give multiple choice behind it. This is what God did and what God expects. So Jesus quoted this verse in his ministry in reference to marriage, when he was pushing back on the frequency and ease of divorce, even in his day. He was like, you know, you guys have forgotten what marriage was meant to be. So let me remind you, and he quoted Genesis 2, 24 as the model that he had seen his father set up for marriage. It was something, not Adam did not come up with marriage. Adam and Eve did not come up with marriage. God did. God created the boundaries for it. God created the reasons for it. And this beautiful account is given to us. And we don't know how long Adam and Eve lived in this idyllic state of marriage before the catastrophe of Genesis chapter three entered in and the subjugation of women to men and men over women ruling over them and all the mess that's come with it since then but we do know they enjoyed it for a minute at least for a while so friends young people what i want to do today is i want to give you six words they'll be on the screen feel free to get your cameras out and take a picture or write them down there are six six words there are six ingredients to God's understanding of marriage. Now I know, and I'm not really here to pick a fight today, but I know, there's, I know that some of what I'm saying is gonna be new to some of you, and most of what I'm saying is gonna be very culturally almost irrelevant, like, like so archaic and so backward and so not culturally cool, and I don't care, just to be honest with you. I've year, learned years ago I can't please God and please culture at the same time. Most days I try to please God. So I know this is going to be a little like uh, challenging for those of you who are trying to run with the current of culture, but I'd like you just to, I, I kind of w- wanted to title today's talk, Marriage, an idea, whose, I- an idea Whose Time Has Come. Like maybe we should rethink marriage to what it is supposed to be. I don't mean to be offensive to anyone, I just simply want to tell you what God had in mind. Let you let you wrestle with it, especially to the group that's coming. Now, I need to begin by saying marriage is optional. Marriage is not the secret to joy and happiness on the planet. You can be single and have great joy and great human intimacy. Jesus, the greatest human who ever lived, wasn't married. He chose not to enter into that in his relation in his lifetime because he felt like his assignment was different. So there's a big push today that you you can't be complete until you're married and what's wrong with them, they're single, that's so much junk. Be okay in your singleness until God tells you not to be. But if you choose to get married, then you need to understand into what you're entering and do so humbly and reverently and in the fear of the Lord. First word is separation, which is an interesting word for going into marriage, I know. Just, Gene, if you're alert this morning. And it's the separation of the husband and the wife from their previous family units. A man shall leave. That's where the word separation comes from. And, And it's Moses' context was the women were never gonna be providers in that day and age, and so the man had to be able to take care of his wife. And so he could not bring a woman into his home as his wife and also be dependent on his dad. Like if you're gonna gonna bring a a woman into your home and call her your wife, you gotta be able to take care of her because there can't be completing, listen, family loyalties. I'm three minutes in, I'm already in trouble. You can't have competing family loyalties. Your loyalty must be to her or brides. Your loyalty must be to him, not to mama, not to dad, not during no escape clauses. It's like we we separate here. So the weird thing about parenting, and we've taught many times here at ACF, parenting is the only familiar relationship where the goal is separation. You parent well if your kids separate from you well. If your kids don't know how to separate well, then you've not parented well. But the whole whole point is to get them out. Go fly. Go be free. (laughs) And to be reminded of why you got married to her or him in the first place. So it's like, woo-hoo, go. Now, you want to do that, sir, in a timely fashion, okay? But, um, yeah, it's separation. So you've got to make sure I can financially take care of this other half of me that I'm becoming one with and and be willing to to appropriately and honorably burn the bridges of connection back to parental dependence your role changes when you get married you're you're still going to honor your father and mother but you move into a little bit of a peer role then it's weird it's really weird And so the first word you've got to get is separation. Are you able and willing to separate from mom and dad and give all you have to this relationship? There can't be a foot back in the door of just in case. And I've done weddings where I've been told this is a just in case. I'm like, no, that's not. we're not doing it that way. There's no giving this bride to this man. We're all in this together. No, no. It's separation. There has to be separation or it won't work. Because the the familial loyalties will get too... Distinct, and the first time she crosses you or you cross her, mom or dad will say, well, just come on back. He's optional. No, he's not. No, he's not. The second word is devotion. That's the other high side of separation. It's the leave and cleave. It's, it's the hold fast of the pa- passages that I read. And it's a really powerful Hebrew image of this um, coming together with, with irreversible intentions. So not only am I um, separating myself from my familial unit, I'm throwing myself headlong with no caution into this other person, nails and all. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. And what come, what may or may not come in the next 10, 20, 30, eight years for Susie and me in June, my in-laws pushing 70 years. They've lived through, you know, post-depression, wars, kids, grandkids, great grandkids, health crises, financial up and downs. It's like, I'm throwing myself headlong into this thing and I'm with you, period. Now, don't anybody run off and file tomorrow. God created divorce. God created divorce and allowed it in the law because men took advantage of women. And women, when they were left by their husbands in Jesus' day, could not work. They were property. And the only way a woman could make a living was in unfortunate means. And so he had a, God allowed in the law a clearing of their reputation so that another man could take them in and not dishonor them or dishonor his own family and bring her into his home. And that's the only reason God allowed divorce to begin with. And it was pretty slap happy in Jesus' day. And he says, you've forgotten the whole reason of marriage. And the only reason God allowed divorce to begin with was because your hearts are evil. So I want to just put that into this pretty quick to divorce culture. Now, some of you out there went through divorces you didn't want. And they were terrible. And they're hard. And you know what it feels like. And I'm not talking to you. But there's a little bit of a, I'm just not happy. Well, who cares? That's not why you get married. Happiness is not the goal. Aim higher. So I want to put the, as you, you guys are thinking about marriage, take divorce should never be a word you utter. It can't be an option. You're in it. You're in it. So there's separation, there's devotion. Third, really important, is the word covenant. The covenant is different from contract. What we have mostly today, especially in the legal arrangement of marriage with the state the civil arrangement it's contract it's an if then here's what i'm going to do here's what you're going to do and it's the prenuptials that go into marriage these days are contract if long as we're both in here's how property is going to work but if we if you bail or if i bail then property is going to be divided this way that's a contract that is not a marriage concept at least not a genesis 225 concept or 224 as opposed to contract which is an if then conditional covenant is just then Here's what I'm going to do. And it's not a covenant with the person. It's a covenant with God. You've got to get that, young people. When you get married, I was at a wedding last night. My niece got married. It was a delightful, beautiful wedding ceremony. And they stood in front of each other, and in front of the people that were there, and they, made it, they spoke words to God about each other. Here's what I'm going to do. Covenant has nothing to do with the performance of the other party. That's contract. I'm gonna do this, I'll meet you halfway. No, 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 that's contract, and that's bad recipe for marriage. You'll quickly learn in marriage there's no halfway. You just go. Covenant is, remember marriage is also, friends, the picture the New Testament uses, and, and the Old Testament most frequently to describe God's relationship to his people and Christ's relationship to his church. So it's, it's, Jesus says, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what God says. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to love you. I'm going to provide for your needs. I'm going to die. I'm going to send my son to die for you. You can reject him or you can accept him. But I'm delivering this promise because that's who I am. I deliver promises. That's what the marriage covenant is. So to Susie, June 1st, 85, I said to her, this is what I intend to be. And I've tried, I hadn't always been it, but this, I've tried to be that to Susie for th- almost 38 years now. She said the same to me. This is what I intend to be. And she's been it. So covenant is not anything to do with performance of the other person. Now we really do want to say, but don't, you, you're in marriage counseling and all you want to do is talk about the other person and the other counselor's going, no, 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 no let's just deal with you. But if she would just, no, no, there's no if she. What is God asking you to do? And in marriage, guys, my role model is Jesus. Women always get mad about how to submit. Guys, we get to die. That's Jesus' role in marriage. He dies, they live for us, we die for them. So I called a friend one day, grappling about Susie. He said, are you dead yet? I was like, are you dead? Answer the question. Are you dead? No. Call me when you're dead. Go serve your wife. That's covenant. Marriage will not work without covenant. It's too hard. If I have an out, a yeah, but, an escape clause, an asterisk, it's gonna, at some point, it's gonna look really tempting. So I have, I have men in my life whose wives have left them because of unbiblical reasons. And those men refuse to date other women because they believed that in God's eyes, they're still responsible for her. And they're still responsible to her. She has broken covenant, they refuse to. There's a refreshing idea. The, thir- the fourth word is creation. It's, I say creation because when you leave, you separate, And you devote and you make a covenant together, you are now creating a new entity. You're creating a new family. So what I watched last night was the creation of a new family. Two last names take on this husband's last name, but it's a new last, it's a new name for them. And I love weddings when you say, Would you please greet for the very first time, Mr. and Mrs.? It's a new family. And that family's got DNA and tradition and heritage that comes into it from two respective parties, but they're, gonna, they're new now. They're, they're gonna be one, a whole new entity. So when Susie and I felt led to start Austin Christian Fellowship 30 years ago, June 1st, we, there was about 18 to 24 months of pretty significant prayer going into that before we actually left where we were to come start ACF, come back to Austin and start ACF. But there was years of preparation for it even before that. And we had to leave some things A really sweet church in Fort Worth where I was finishing up school and a denomination we've been a part of all of our lives to start ACF we just didn't feel like we could be denominational and be successful at our mission so there was a whole lot of explaining we had to do to some people that had expectations of us that said wait you're doing what and it's not going to be this denomination and I had to do a lot of crow eating over coffee at some lunches with some leaders of mine people in my life that led me explaining including my family no we really feel led to start this and that's what that's what you're doing when you get married you're starting something entirely new and yes it has momentum behind it sometimes momentum is good sometimes momentum is bad but when you say i do and you wake up the morning after your wedding night you're it's a whole new deal Here you go. So there is separation, devotion, covenant, and then creation. The next word, young people, great word for you, is procreation. Procreation is the same word as reproduction, and by that I mean giving birth to children. Because guess what happens when you get married? Now this is where the PG-13 part of this comes into this, so I'm gonna use the S word for a minute. You have sex together. And at some point, if you have enough sex, you're bound to produce a child that's the goal of marriage in Genesis chapter 1 God had said to Adam and Eve and then Moses backs up and tells us the rest of the story go be fruitful and multiply well how do humans multiply? through sex it's the only way and he said go go populate the planet knock yourself out of it. Adam went woo let's go let's start today the only, listen to me, the only appropriate place into which you should bring a child is the context of covenant. It is inappropriate to bring a child into a context of anything less than covenant. That's why we have the, the nightmare on our culture of abortion clinics off the charts being so busy and people fighting for the right to have abortion. And foster homes fill kids that nobody knows or wants, because all this procreation is taking place, and there's no covenant. Now that is harsh, but that is true. The only appropriate setting into which you should introduce a child is a context of irreversible, non-negotiable marriage. Then the child can grow and healthy, and science has proven this, and society has proven this for gajillions of years that's the best setting to bring kids in the world if you do not want to bring a child to the world do not be sexual out of covenant period it's the only appropriate setting that's why God said leave and cleave now you can procreate he didn't say go procreate and oh by the way see if you want to get married or not that's what everybody's doing today We're having a baby together, we'll probably get married at some point, that's completely backwards. That's the upside down of what God designed and our society is falling apart because of it. Remember, the first truth God gave in scripture was his recipe for marriage. My heart's at about 160 right now, I need to slow down for a minute. (sighs) Procreation is when you have babies. Have babies in marriage. The last word is oneness. Oneness. That's that one flesh piece. So the the physical act of marriage is sex. The the act of sex is the, the physical act that God uses to make uh, husband and wife one. It's a, it, 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 you guys know there's more to sex than meets the act because it's an emotional bond and a spiritual bond. And that's why to be sexual with someone and then have that torn apart is so devastating to people because you've given more than just your body away to them. You've given a piece of your soul to them. That's what marriage is supposed to be. So again, the context for sex, the only context to be expressed in is a covenant context because you're safe then to expose your soul. This flippancy, there was a Hollywood celebrity recently who talked about all the different men she'd been in bed with and who was the best. And that's placed to great reviews on the Hollywood Reporter, but it's an absolute unfortunate disaster for her soul. Separation, devotion, covenant, creation, procreation, oneness. One flesh. So let me move to four commitments. In light of, and I could have gone a lot longer, trust me. This is me holding back. Let me give you four commitments because this is where the rubber meets the road on this message here. Young people, I want you to make four commitments today. Singles. I want you to make four commitments today. Number one, pray for your spouse every day. Parents, grandparents, pray for your kids and grandkids' spouses from the time, if they're gonna choose to get married, somewhere out the world, that boy or girl is making choices right now, growing up in a home right now. At some point, dating, meeting other girls, meeting other guys, figuring all that stuff out. You want to pray for that. One of my sons-in-law came waltzing into my living room wanting to marry my daughters. I was like, son, I've been praying for you since you were born. Don't screw this up. So you're out there and you're wanting to be married, be praying for that spouse because they're out there too and they're making decisions. And you want to know, sometimes the Holy Spirit on that first date will say, that's the one. You've been praying for him. You've been praying for her. That's the one. Would you commit to that today, young men and women, to pray every day for your spouse, regardless of how far away you are? They're out there, they're out there. Secondly, don't be in a rush. Because all, all you do is move from one set of problems to another when you're married. I had a friend of mine, because we all, my group all ran together, we all waited to have sex until we were married. I was very fortunate. I had some friends that were very committed to that. Susie was very committed. I was committed to it. And I remember him saying to me, the temptation before marriage was to have sex before marriage, and temptation after marriage is to have sex outside of marriage. You're still tempted. It's like, well, that's a bummer. You mean the temptation to have sex illegally didn't go away when you got married? No, it just changed targets. Wow, I didn't know that. So marriage doesn't solve the problem. It just creates different ones. There's an old saying, marriage is like flies on a window. Those on the inside went out, those on the outside went in. And for some people, that's true. It just, wow, I'm, now, I'm in, now I'm married, what did I do? So don't be in a rush. Don't be in a rush. Get it right. Third commitment I want you to make right now is from this day forward, save sex for marriage. And I notice I said from this day forward because I don't really care what you've done up till now. If, if, you've, if, you've, if Virginity is a gift. Virginity is not a curse, it's a gift. It's a sweet thing to be still pure physically before God and to have saved that for your spouse. And if you are still a virgin, don't be ashamed of that. That is a, You should be proud of that. You're doing it right. Just because everybody else is talking about it doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Genesis makes it real clear about that. So save yourself for your marriage. If you've not, let's just suppose you hadn't heard this or you, whatever, I've talked to couples and I, go, I wish somebody would've told me, well, I'm telling you now. So let's suppose you hadn't played along by the rules. So confess your sins. Ask God to, First John 1, 9, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He'll make you white as snow again, but you've gotta repent and stop. So there's no more, let's go have one more, one night, one night stand, and they're gonna repent. No, I mean right now, you're done till you're married. Right now, no more sex. It's, you're stealing. That's not yours. You're taking. She's not yours. He's not yours. And girls, if he says, "Well, you know, hey, if you love me, let's go." If he if he loves you, he'll wait. And if he won't, dump his sorry rear end. Amen. He's not worthy of you. If he won't hang on with you until you have sex with him, dump his butt and go on. Move on. Now I'm a dad and a granddad and a pastor talking, that's a bad three, three-way combination. No, I'm serious, don't, if he's telling you, if you love me, you'll have sex with me, he doesn't love you, he lusts you. Sex can wait. Show him the nail on your forehead and see what he does then, okay? <laughs> so covenant, I make, it, make a deal. I did a three ring ceremony one time, wedding, it was the coolest wedding ceremony ever, where um, <laughs> she put on a purity ring like at 15, At that ceremony, she took it off and all the guys in the room went, and she said, I'm yours. That was a moment. This is coming off, I'm yours. I got goosebumps. You can do that, it's not too late, but you gotta repent today and get it right. Sex is not your most important need. Finally, don't settle. Don't settle. Um, I do a lot of marriage triage, or did for years, don't do as much now, where, uh, where someone in the relationship compromised and got to, well, my biological clock was ticking, or I really want to have sex, or I'm not pretty enough, I'm never going to get a good guy, so I need to take what comes along. And it may work for a minute, but then three, four, five years into the marriage, true colors come out and you're stuck. And now you're praying for your husband or wife to just get saved, to be on the same page with you spiritually. So you can raise your kids under agreement. Or you had to deal with the drinking problem that wasn't there, or now suddenly he's not so much interested in the church, he's interested to going fishing on Sunday morning, you're going to church alone. And he's done trying, and you have to, you settled. Don't settle in marriage. It leads to chaos. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The most important decision you make next to who you follow in Jesus Christ is who you marry, if you choose to marry, if you choose to marry do not compromise on that decision if they don't love jesus enough to break up with you to keep jesus they're not worthy of you if they won't pray with you to seek jesus for the relationship they're not worthy of you don't date for the sake of bringing them to jesus that doesn't work he will bring you he or she will bring you down it never pulls up it always pulls down you are not their most important need jesus is he can save them do not compromise on marriage and you're like, but I don't wanna be single the rest of my life. God loves you more than you understand. Trust him, trust him. But you don't wanna be married to the wrong guy the rest of your life either. It's a disaster. That's marriage. It's God's institution, give it time. Whew, that's the introduction, now I'm gonna jump to the message, okay? <laughs> now I'm getting started. So we want to end this service and this series with some unhurried time. Because I want all of you and you guys online who've just heard what I've said to meditate on it for a minute. Because this this has just affected everybody in the room and I know it. So while Candy sings this amazing song about sitting quietly at Jesus' feet, really loving him more than anybody or anything else, which is what marriage is. Marriage is loving Jesus first. To the degree I love Jesus, I can love Susie to the degree that she loves Jesus, she can love me. When that gets out of line, we don't love well. I want you to love Jesus for a minute and then for the rest of your lives. And put dating and marriage and your careers and your hopes and your dreams into context. And maybe you need to pray and repent. Maybe you need to pray and confess that you've gotten this all upside down. Maybe you need to ask God to make you white as snow And say, I'm never violating that again. Some of you have had enough sex that your soul's pretty empty. And you need to ask God to fill you and heal you and put you back together you've given yourself away more times than you can count and you feel it today. So let God, let Jesus fill that for you. But you gotta confess and ask him to heal. And make a covenant, no more violation of the rules. Because you love him more than you love men or women. And he'll honor it. The altar is open for prayer. Couples may want to come. Singles may want to come. The room is open for prayer. We're going to sit with Jesus for just a minute. I'll be back.